Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome, BC family. Good to be here with you guys today. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, it's a lot of sunshine. I'm enjoying it. Anyways, uh, greetings from Lori, my wife, to all of you. She couldn't be here this weekend, but just wanted to give you her love and just grace and peace to all of you. Um, we have been in Mesa, Arizona, almost a year now, and uh, I am Ryan's father, but he left out something very significant, and I'll deal with him about it later, uh, because I'm still his dad. Anyways, I am also the papa of Desi and Zion, so I think that's important too, and you can give it up for them as well. But no, it's good to be here with you guys, and... Um, one of the things that, uh, that I'm enjoying is I actually live with my kids in Mesa, Arizona. We're all in one house. And I just got to, you know, whenever I, I get to share, I consider it a therapy session. I just get things off my chest. So are you ready to handle? I just, I just need to do that, all right? You ready for that? So my vision of a, a yard is concrete. I grew up in LA, and, and concrete is just good because there's no weeds to pluck. You know, it's just, it's just what I want. But I live in a house that has papaya tree, avocados, apricots, plums, lemons, bananas. Yes, bananas. Uh, what else do we have? Eggplant, zucchini, tomatoes. And I mean, that's all there. It's a lot of work. But thank God I have a daughter-in-law who absolutely loves that stuff. And, you know, we've got grapes as well. And I enjoy eating it. I just don't enjoy doing anything to get it there, right? So I'm not a gardener. But here's what I've noticed. I have a bunch of neighbors around me, and I've been taking names. And they have orange trees. I don't have an orange tree. I've got one that hangs over the backyard, and I just, like, pluck them off and have one for breakfast. You know, it's kind of nice, right? But I noticed a lot of my neighbors, they have these orange trees that just sit there and the oranges never get plucked. They get old or they drop to the ground or the birds eat them. It just like goes unharvested. And so I've been taking names and I'm gonna be approaching them soon to try and find out why they're too lazy to pluck their harvest. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. It's actually a joke. I don't think that would actually be a very good move on my part. But no, I imagine that they probably are not doing it because A, it's not that important. They've got bigger fish to fry. Maybe they're just distracted. Maybe they don't care that much. I don't know all the reasons, but it just, the harvest comes and goes and the oranges just sit there. And so I see that. And I think about a spiritual harvest because I believe that God has a spiritual harvest for every person in this room. Everyone in Boardman, at TCI, online, God has a harvest for you as well. And that's the harvest of souls. That's something that the Father is inviting us to partner with him on. And this isn't the kind of message that you're going to get on a chair and jump up and shout about, but I believe it is a message where God is inviting you to experience a joy that only comes through being part of the process of seeing people come into the kingdom of God. There's a specific joy attached to seeing souls come into the kingdom. And there's a reward that's eternal. Think about it, people that you and I impact that will get to hang out in their home for all of eternity. What a reward that will be. But here's what I've noticed when I've looked at the book of Acts and 
looked at God moving all over the world, I've noticed that one thing is necessary if you want to see that harvest get reaped, and it's simply prayer. E.M. Bounds was a man of prayer, wrote nine books on the subject, and he said these words, prayer is striking the winning blow, but ministry is just gathering up the results. And so the bottom line is, if we want to see this harvest of souls come into the kingdom, we have to be a people who first pray for that harvest. Otherwise, it'll never get done. And so here's my main thought for today, and it's simply this, prayer is the work. It's not something we do, prayer is the work. And so I want to go to Luke chapter 10. We have Jesus sending out a team on his second missions trip. We know the 12 went out and did some. Now he's sending out 70, and he probably did this multiple times, but we have two recorded instances. And it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, after this, the Lord Jesus formed 35 teams among the other disciples, and each team was two disciples, 70 in all, and he commissioned them to go ahead of him into every town he was about to visit. He released them with these instructions. The harvest is huge, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it in. As you go, plead with the owner of the harvest to send out many more workers into his harvest field. So when Jesus walked the earth, there was 300 million people living in those days. And he called that harvest huge. Now, if he was alive today, there's 7.8 billion people. Here's what I think Jesus would call this harvest. Really, really, really huge, epically huge. But you know what hasn't changed? The solution to reaching the harvest is to plead with the owner of the harvest to send out more laborers into his harvest. Why? Because without us praying and pleading for God's will to be done on earth, it won't happen. So God's intention is to see the harvest come in, but we've got to pray for that. And that word send is a very strong word. It's like taking a ball and throwing it very, very hard. It's the same word that's used, and it says, and Jesus cast out demons by the Spirit of God. It's a violent word. That doesn't mean God's going to be violent with you, but what it means is God is sometimes going to give us a nice sturdy shove. Why? Because sometimes we've got to get past our fears. We've got to get past inconvenience. We've got to get past distraction. We've got to get past things that have prioritized themselves above the priorities of the kingdom. And God's priority is that none should perish, but that all should receive eternal life. But we're partners in that process. So it can't happen without prayer. And also, I think one of the reasons why we need God to send, because I've trained people over the years, and I found out you can train people to your blue in the face. That doesn't mean they'll go. Why? Because they can't go unless the Father sends them. Why is that? Well, I believe it's that if you don't have the Father's heart, it doesn't matter to you. In Matthew 9, when Jesus prayed this prayer, he said, I'm looking at people as sheep who are confused and harassed. They're like sheep without a shepherd. So therefore pray to the Lord who owns the harvest that he would send out. So if we have the heart of God, how many of you have watched a lot of people suffer through this pandemic? Mental health issues, that's what my wife deals with. They have skyrocketed. Suicide, skyrocketed. Drug addiction, skyrocketed. People aren't coping well. Why? Because it's tough to be your own shepherd. 
I woke up today under the care of the great shepherd and so did you. He's got my back. He's got your back. He's working for you. But there's people that he wants to be a shepherd to. But it's going to take, first of all, us praying that even as we're going, because some of you are in the game, some of you are in the game and you're going. But as you're going, you should be praying, Lord, send out more workers. That's what we need. So we need to pray for more workers. Now, when I share a message like this, sometimes it can feel a little heavy, like, wow, that's just a heavy burden to just try and reach all these lost people and you know, reach the harvest, and I'm not good at it, and, and you know, we have all these reasons. But can I just take some pressure off you? Here's a passage I came across just over a year ago, and it, it is really kind of lodged in my heart. And I just want to read it for you. It's John 6:44, And I want to read this so that it'll kind of take some of the weight off of you if you're feeling just a little bit heavy there. John 6, says, no one can come to me, listen to this, unless the Father who sent me makes them want to come. But if they do come, I will raise them to life on the last day. What is he saying? He's saying you and I cannot make people want Jesus. We can't. If God's not already at work in them, if he's not already drawing them like a current, we can't change it. Now, we can pray for God to draw people, but if he's not at work, then we can't make something happen. And so what that lets me know is that, you know what, God, here's the deal. You're already drawing people. I just need to figure out who you're drawing. That's who I need to focus on. And so let's go back to Luke chapter 10 one more time. And here's what I wanna read, and I wanna say this. One of the mistakes we make is to focus on people who aren't ready. Fruit that's not ripe. You ready for this? Verse five, whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. And if they are not, the blessing will return to you. Hold on. When you go, look for who? A person of peace. Why? Just go to anyone. No. No, don't just go to anyone. Graham, when you're going, look for a person of peace. Well, who's that, Lord? That's somebody who's open spiritually. That's somebody who's receptive spiritually. That's somebody who, when I bring a blessing from the kingdom of God to them and I speak into them, they receive it, they take it. But if they're not open, guess what happens to that blessing that I'm trying to give? Bam, right back in my face. So as we go, we need to be thinking, Lord, who are these people of peace that you want to connect me with? See, I think one of the mistakes we make is as we're going is focusing on people who aren't ripe. I have a cherry tomato plant. It's produced over 100 tomatoes. But you know what I know to do? I know to pick the red ones and not the green ones. And spiritually, guys, don't fixate and get caught in the trap of trying to push people who aren't that open. Pray for them, serve them, love them, but look for the person of peace. Look for the person who can receive what you want to bring from the kingdom of God to them. Does that make sense? All right, I want to go to John 4, verse 35. Jesus, the woman at the well, famous story, he's read her mail. Uh, they don't like each other, Jews and Samaritans. Racism on steroids. But she comes to believe that he's the Messiah. 
And she goes to tell everyone, you gotta come and listen. Now, we're gonna pick up a conversation with his disciples in verse 35. It says, as you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months it will be time to harvest? Well, I'm telling you to open your eyes, your spiritual eyes, and take a good look at what's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. The harvester isn't waiting. He's taking his pay, gathering in this grain that's ripe for eternal life. Now the sower is arm in arm with the harvester, triumphant. What does that mean? Those of you who are having spiritual conversations but don't get to pray them into the kingdom, you're part of it. And together you get the reward and together you get the joy and the triumph of seeing people born into the kingdom of God. That's the truth of the saying, this one sows, that one harvests. I sent you to harvest a field you never worked without lifting a finger. You have walked in on a field worked long and hard by others. Many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew about all the things I did. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay on. So Jesus stayed two days and a lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. Do you know what? If the Samaritans, I mean, if the, if the apostles had been in charge of Jesus' itinerary, that harvest would have never been reaped. Because you know what they wanted to do? Get out of town. That's what they wanted to do. Because they weren't seeing what Jesus was seeing. And here's what I found out. If you're not a person who's praying about the harvest, you usually don't see it when it walks right past you. Because praying people see what others don't. Jesus saw a harvest. He looked, it's like me looking at those orange trees and going, oh man, come on, you gotta do something. He's looking at this harvest. He goes, they are ready and open to receiving me and the kingdom and following me. But they needed a harvester. And the disciples couldn't see that. So here's what I've learned from listening to other more seasoned people people who've been effective in leading others into the kingdom, people who went out and tried and tried and just failed, like Jackie Pullinger in Hong Kong. She had a ministry in the walled city as a young 22-year-old girl, left for Hong Kong from London with 10 bucks in her pocket, ended up serving in something called the walled city where the police didn't even go. It was run by three Chinese gangs, the triads, sex, prostitution, and trafficking, opium dens, heroin addicts, every kind of vice you can imagine. And she's there serving and she's trying to preach the gospel, but very few are open. And then one day she sees that verse in John 6 and she starts saying, Lord, will you lead me to the people that you're drawing? Will you show me who you're drawing? And she said, you know what was amazing? I'd come up to people. I hadn't changed anything I was saying. And suddenly they would say, yeah, I want that. Yeah, I want to follow Jesus. And they just started coming in. So here's a prayer that I've learned to pray. And it's just simply this, Father, show me where, what you're doing, where you're at work and who you're drawing and give me the courage to join you in that work. In other words, if I can see who God is at work in, and listen, by the way, if you're not sure if you can, you can, if you pray, how do I know that? Jesus said in John 3, no man can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. I want you to hear that. Not enter, 
Now we know that that's part of the process, but listen to what he said. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What that infers is that once you receive the spirit of God, guess what you can see? The kingdom. That means you can perceive it. You can recognize where it's at work. And if you're praying for God to open your spiritual eyes, you will begin to pick up on things that other people don't. I promise you, it's amazing that when you begin to pray this prayer, crazy things begin to happen. When I think about it, like you're sitting here today, but if I was to ask you the question, who reached you, do you know? Maybe it was a group of people. In my mom's case, you know, she got reached by the late Billy Graham in Belfast, Northern Ireland as a 12-year-old girl from a family where there were no Christians. How did she get to Billy Graham's meeting? Did he personally invite her? No, she never heard of him. A 12-year-old schoolmate invited my mom, and my mom was a person of peace, and she received the kingdom that day. Now, my parents sowed a lot of seed, but nothing was happening for me. I wasn't a Christian. I was 18, and I was living life as hard as I knew how, and God showed up in the middle of my party. Literally, God crashed a party. He's been known to do that, by the way. He crashed a party and spoke to me. And that started this wrestling match, and God was drawing me, and I was fighting him. He was drawing me, and I was fighting him. I hadn't tasted how good he was, but I was about to. And I think about it. There were people I worked with because I didn't tell my family anything. You'd have never known that God was working on me, but he was here in my heart where nobody could see it. And I think about some of the people that God used during lunch breaks to talk to me about God. They're what I call unlikely revivalists, unlikely evangelists. I think about this guy named Roger. He's about 20 years older than me. He'd got drummed out of the Navy two years shy of retirement by somebody who didn't like him. And I felt bad for him. So did my friends. We felt bad for this guy. He was doing the job I was doing as an 18-year-old. But you know what? He was joyful. He was happy. And we'd sit at lunch breaks, and every once in a while, I'd, I'd ask him a question. And he'd sit there. Unlikely, he'd sit there smoking his pipe. <laughs> and ask me questions about God. Not who I would send to me, but God sent him to me. And long after he left, I'd lay in bed and think about those questions that he asked me about God. God was using him. He didn't get to reap me. That was some pastor. But God was drawing me. And I want to ask you this. Who has God ordained for you to reach? Who is the harvest that he has set for you? Because I believe God has a harvest for you. And I believe that you might feel like Roger, you might feel like an unlikely evangelist, but God is in the business of just using ordinary, everyday people. That's who reached me, just ordinary people. I want to just put a tool in your hands today, a simple tool. It's just called Bless Five. Because if this is new to you and you're not in the game, so to speak, 
Here's a good place to start. Bless five just means this. If you're taking notes, this is a good time to do it. Pull out your phone, whatever. If you write, write them down. Because here's what I've learned to do with the people that we train in Phoenix. Every time we do a session with them, at the end of the session, we'll say, what did God highlight to you? What did you, what did you learn? What did you see? And if that's true, what are you going to do with it? So it's called an I will statement. Because this is true, I will. Which means we don't just walk out the doors and go, oh, that was interesting. We actually have something that God puts in our heart and we say, you know what, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna step out in faith and do that. So I encourage you, take some notes. So here are four fields of a potential harvest for you. It's where you live, learn, work, and play. Where you live, where you learn, where you work, where you play. Now, what's significant about those four fields is you belong there. You are not an outsider there. If you work there, you're not an outsider. If you live in that neighborhood, you're not an outsider. If it's your hobby, you're in the gun club or you're at a gym or whatever, you belong there. If you go to that school, you belong there. And so what we encourage you to do is to say, God, give me five people that I can pray for five minutes a day, five days a week for five weeks. Now, how do you choose those people? Number one, who is my immediate neighbor or coworker or best friend? Number two, who is it easy to have conversations with? How about this one? I love this one. Who is the most unlikely to become a Christ follower? Why would I choose someone like that? I don't know. Let's talk to the Apostle Paul. Let's ask him. Who would take the tiniest nudge to enter the kingdom and who naturally connects with others? Now, why would I tell you to do that? Because here's what we can do if we're not careful. I call them shotgun prayers. Lord, I pray for everybody in Trumbull County to come to know Jesus. Boom. I pray for everybody at YSU to come to know Jesus. Boom. JFK, Boardman, whatever. We do that, right? Are they good prayers? Yeah, they're good prayers. But you want to become dangerous spiritually? Pick five. Get out your sniper rifle and focus. Aim at them. And when we pray, we've learned to do what? We pray in faith. We're able to bless people because we've been given the authority to bless people. We've been given the authority to pray for his kingdom and his rule to come for what he desires and wants to happen to be done. That's what it means for his will to be done. Like when I was raising my kids, I was the king of my castle and whatever I wanted to be done with some input from the subjects got done. If I wanted my office decorated a certain way, it got done as long as my wife approved of it. But we're praying God's heart into the earth. And when you and I are praying we're blessing people in faith. We're specifically aiming at a target. We're not just doing a shotgun prayer. We're firing a deadly weapon, a life-giving weapon, I should say, that can change and impact lives because the harvest can't come in unless we're praying. So we pray for those five people, and you might say, and I hear this quite a bit, I don't have any friends who aren't Christians. I highly recommend that you change that. And we can show you how to do that. But if you have no one that you know 
that's not saved and you wanna start praying, just go to this website, blesseveryhome.com. Blesseveryhome.com. I use that website, even though I have people that I pray for specifically, I use that one. It sends me an email five days a week, every morning, and it gives me five neighbors' names and their addresses, and I pray over them. And I just go through the rotation. So if you don't know anybody, just go to blesseveryhome.com. But here's how you can pray for people, right? So prayerfully choose five people from your four fields to pray for. Bless five minutes a day, five days a week for five weeks, a beginning and an end. Start with prayer because prayer is the work. It's not something we do. It's actually the work. Now, if you're new to this and you haven't prayed a lot and you feel intimidated by prayer, don't. How should I pray for them? I don't know. How would you want someone to pray for you? Why don't you pray that for them? Well, I need more than that. Okay, we're talking about five names, and you're gonna take five minutes in your day to pray for all five of those people. Let me give you a little guide that'll help you if you need more. You ready for this? Day one, B, here's an acronym, body. Pray for their health, their protection, their strength. The second day, pray for their labor. Where are they working? Their security, their provision, their reward. The third day, their emotional health. Bless them with joy and peace and hope and love. Socially, day four, Bless their relationships, their marriage, their family, their friends. Day five, spiritually, Lord, bless them with a revelation of you. Lord, I pray that they would taste and see that you are good because it's your goodness that makes us want to have our life changed and transformed. Draw them to you, Lord. So, guys, all of us can do that. I'll tell you what, if you start to do this, crazy good things are going to begin to happen when you least expect it. I mean, I'm thinking of somebody that I've been praying for for a while, and I was actually getting kind of mad. Now, none of you ever get mad, right? Because you're holier than me. Okay, that went over really, really well. So, okay, I'll just leave that one alone. I was getting mad, and I go, Lord, what is it with this person? Every time I get anywhere close, I mean, like, they scatter like I'm the plague, man. I haven't done anything to, but you know, we've got people like that, right? They see you coming, it's like, head indoors. And I'm just praying for the Lord to crack the door. And you know what he did? Beautifully cracked it open. Well, I couldn't force the door open. But you know, I've learned that if I pray for open doors, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you're going to find. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone that asks, receives. He that seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, doors get opened. Open doors just represent Opportunities, that's what that translates in our modern language. Opportunities, Paul prayed, pray for me that I might have open doors to share the good news of the mystery of the gospel. If Paul can pray it, you can pray it. I can pray it. God, give me opportunities today to have spiritual conversations. Now, I don't control how that happens, but I'm looking for it, right? So we pray that way. And let me just give you one other tool and this is one that I pray every day, not because I'm uber spiritual, but because it's a reminder on my phone. And at 10.02 every day, a reminder goes off with a scripture. 10.02 represents Luke chapter 10, verse two. Pray to the owner of the harvest that he would send out workers into his fields. And so every day at 10.02, seven days a week, my phone goes off, I pray that prayer, takes 15 or 30 seconds. I'll tell you exactly how I pray. You ready for this? 
real spiritual, no matter what I'm doing. Father, I'm praying that you would send out laborers into the Phoenix Valley, into the San Fernando Valley, and into the Mahoning Valley. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what I'm confident about? I'm confident that if I ask anything according to his will, he's gonna start dealing with some people. And he's gonna start dealing with them to start going, and they're gonna start catching God's heart, and they're gonna start thinking and seeing people the way he sees them and seeing the treasure that they are to him. Think about how much God loves you. Think about how much God loves them. Like, I don't love anyone in this room, and I don't say it disrespectfully, but just being real with you, I don't love you enough to let one of my sons die for you. Sorry, man, I love you, but just not that much. Your your heavenly father loves you so much that he was willing to sacrifice his only unique son, the only begotten son, to demonstrate how much he loved you. Like he loves you that much. And he loves all these people. There are people today, they're all around us. And some of them are extremely ready to come into the kingdom, but we'll never know it if we don't see the harvest that God has for us. And we'll never get there if we're not praying for that harvest, if we're not praying for God to open our eyes. And if we're not taking out our sniper rifle and targeting people in prayer, there's something about faith that needs a target. It needs a hope. It needs something to go after. So I look at this room and I go, wow, how much potential is sitting in this room right here? Like, I know some of you already do this, but there's a lot of you, for one reason or another, you've never actually done it. What if every person here had five people that they were targeting in prayer? The potential is amazing. Boardman, TCI, what if you did that? Potential is amazing. I don't know if you know this or not. This is a stat that really grieves my heart because it wasn't true when I came to faith. I came to faith August 3rd, 1980. Yes. At the age of two, I gave my life to Jesus. So (laughs) crickets. And it's, it's amazing to me that in my day, I didn't know anybody who didn't know this, but you know when they've done studies, and this is from 2018 via the Barna Group, only 17% of evangelical Christians, and you fall under that umbrella, by the way, only 17% of them actually know what the Great Commission is. I'm not saying this church, I'm just saying that's a scary thought to me, because if only 17% of them know, how many of that percent are actually doing it? So guys, what is mission one for the church? Take what you have and give it away. Go into all the world and make disciples. It's part of our call. You know what? We can learn how to do this. You don't have to know it all. You just have to be willing. And I'm telling you, it starts with prayer. I wanna just close this out today by just sharing a story. If you wanna know what God's heart is like, Man, every dad in this room, you've had this feeling probably, if you're like me. I have three sons, 
And I remember we were living in Ohio at the time. My, my kids were real little, and we flew back to California to visit my family on vacation. It was like July. Worst time in the world to go to Disneyland because it's like max crowds. There was 80,000 people plus there that day. And I'm there with my family. It's a pretty good-sized family, you know. We're all there, and we're having a great time at Disneyland. Greatest place on earth. Happiest place on earth, right? Except for the ticket prices. Anyways, um, just saying. It's my therapy session. You guys agreed, right? Uh, and so we had dinner. And then we got up, and we left for dinner. And there's a whole bunch of us, right? So there's a lot of kids to manage, right, there. And all of a sudden, we're just kind of doing that thing. We're looking around. All of a sudden, one of us goes, hey, where's... Where's Daniel? He's my middle son. He was like three or four at the time. Where's Daniel? I don't know. Who has him? And suddenly we realized he wasn't with anyone. And you got a crowd of 80,000 people. That's a lot of people. He's three or four years old. It's not like losing him at the grocery store where he's around aisle two. It's 80,000 people. I want you to know something. As a dad, something in you kicks into this extreme gear. Like, get out of my way or get punched in the face. Like, seriously, like, I'm not even a Christian now. I'm going after my kid. I'm, you know, I was like, I'm going to find this kid at all costs. I'm going to break protocol. I'll jump a fence. I'll do whatever I have to do to find my son. And thankfully, it ended well. We found out that what happened was my son took the hand of a grandma, thinking it was his grandma, because he took her from behind. She walked away with my son, thinking it was her grandson. And then she looked down and said, oh, you're not my grandson. <laughs> Took him to a security guard, and it all ended well. And, you know, he's still holding that over my head, right, because he's a middle child. So it's like, Dad, I was a neglected middle child. I'm like, well, I can't argue you were that day for sure neglected. But you know what? That's how the father feels. Uh, do yourself a favor. If, you, if you've never read this, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, just read that, that whole chapter. That chapter is Jesus teaching three specific stories. They're all different, but they all have the exact same point that he's trying to make. So he teaches a story back to back to back. How many think he's trying to emphasize a point if he's doing that? And you know what that story is all about? It's all about what is lost, being found, how when what is lost is found, there is a time of rejoicing and celebration because it's been found. You hear your pastor say this all the time. Whenever he prays, you hear him say these words. If you prayed that prayer today, could you just put your hand up? Because all of heaven's rejoicing and I wanna be able to celebrate with all of heaven. Well, where does he get that from? Luke 15. That's the father's heart. And if you've ever had a kid do what my son did, putting it on him now, you know what I'm talking about. The father aches for people to come him. And so when we catch his heart, when we catch God's heart, we start to care about what he cares about. And we start to prioritize our lives around his priorities. And let me tell you something. Jesus' mission statement goes like this. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. That's it. That's the mission statement. I was here a couple of months ago, and um, I had the opportunity to go to one of the connect groups out in Boardman, and uh, a couple that I know out there, an awesome couple. 
And um, Barb is her name, and she had just been baptized in Boardman a couple of months before. And as we were just sitting around talking, she shared this thought. She said, you know, I've been a follower of Jesus, but I just got baptized. And she said, it wasn't until I got baptized that I really understood that making disciples and reaching the harvest was my responsibility. She goes, I always looked at that as the job of the paid pastors and the staff. I always thought that was their job, not mine. And I suspect that she's not alone in her thinking. You don't have to wear this as a heavy weight. You just have to say, Lord, I want to be on mission with you. Give me your heart. Give me your eyes. And by the way, Lord, I don't have the ability in myself to get this job done. So you know what? Fill me today all over again with the Holy Spirit. Clothe me with power from on high. That'll enable me to be able to be your witness when I'm called on to do that. It's that simple. So guys, as you walk out of here today, as you're listening, here's your challenge. Bless five. Pick five people. Ask the Lord to lead you to pick those five people. Lord, help me. Who are the five people that don't know you that I can pray for and bless for five minutes a day, five days a week, for five weeks? And then watch what happens. And you'll be amazed at the power of prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. It is truly an honor for me to be able to share this with Believer's Church, this family that I've been a part of for a long time, Lord, I know because I stood and talked about our vision many times, and I know the vision of this church is to see a city connected with God. And that's only going to happen with people taking hold of your mission and partnering with you and laboring in the harvest. That's, that's the only way that's going to happen. So, Lord, I'm praying today. Would you help us, Lord? We want this family called BC. We want, we want it to grow. We want to extend a welcome to those who are waiting for someone to come and share this good news with them to come into this kingdom. So Lord, I pray as we, as we go out this week, Lord, would you begin to open our eyes and would you begin to, Lord, show us who are, who are some people that I need to begin to target in prayer? Just show us that, Lord. We're going to be faithful to do that. And also, if you're listening here today, whether it's online or one of the campuses, you know, I just want to speak to you for just a moment. I know there was a time in my life when I didn't want to hear about God. I wasn't open. I wasn't ready. But there came a moment when God began to draw me, and it was a year-long process. And at the end of that year, I was ready to say yes. I don't know exactly when that is for every person, but you know what you know when you're ready. There's good news though. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. God is always ready to embrace you, always ready to receive you. And by the way, salvation isn't you getting your act together. It's not you doing better. It's not you trying harder. Salvation is called a gift. It's something that you receive. It isn't just about going to heaven. It's about God changing your life here and now, right here on earth, and that's certainly part of it. But God wants to work in you today. 
God wants to give you eternal life right here on earth right now. How do you do that? The Bible says it's not some kind of magic. It's not some kind of formula. It simply states in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess him as Lord with our mouth, we will be saved because it's with the heart that we believe. It's that faith that causes God to accept us. And with our mouth, it seals the deal. It's almost like signing an unbreakable contract spiritually, if you will. With your mouth, you're confessing what you already believe in your heart. And God says, that's enough, I believe. So today, I want to help you take that step by just leading you in a simple prayer. And here's what I know. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's all you have to know is if you call on Jesus to save you, that is exactly what he has promised to do. So if that's you today and you're like I was all those years ago and you're saying, you know what? I'm ready today. I want you to just pray this prayer with me. In church, nobody prays alone. Let's just say this. Say, Jesus, I call on you now. Come and save me. Forgive my sins. Receive me into your kingdom. I believe that you rose from the dead. And today, I declare that you are Lord of my life. Now, while we're in this attitude of prayer, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time or the first time in an awful long time, I want you to do me a favor. Just while we're in this attitude of prayer, would you just do me a favor and would you just put your hand up in the air for just a moment? See some people back there that are gonna be walking around and they're looking. We see a hand back there. They're coming to you right now. Is anybody else? Just keep your hand up. Out in Boardman, they're doing the same thing. And all we want to do is we just want to get something into your hands that'll help you in that decision to follow Jesus. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.